You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you are encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. be still and know. God tells us to be still and know that he is God. And there's many things that that could mean. And sometimes when things are going on, the last thing we want to be is is still. Sometimes that can be the hardest thing. Waiting at times is the hardest thing. Sometimes when you're going through stuff and you want an immediate answer from God and the answer doesn't come. Or sometimes it's not the way that we had hoped that it would go. And God would encourage us to be still and know. A couple of weeks ago, maybe even more than a month ago now, it was the last time we prayed together at Alan Helen's. Sherry was praying, we were praying together, and she was praying about having boldness to step out in faith. And I saw a picture, and I don't know how to describe it. I know that people maybe get like a prophetic picture or something that comes. I don't normally get that. But in that moment, she was praying, and I just saw a picture. It was just for a moment, but what the picture was, was it was, and I shared this that night, if those of you that were there, It was a scrawny policeman, like very, very thin and frail, but he had on his police uniform and he had, there was a riot or something that he was getting ready to go address and he himself was afraid. But with that uniform, he had boldness and authority to step out. And so for that moment, I just saw a picture and I think that that as Christians, how that's how we should live. The policeman may be afraid, First responders may be afraid. I remember so clear that day on 9-11 when everyone's trying to leave those, those towers when they were struck by the planes and there's all those firemen running to the fire. Many that lost their lives. So they may be afraid, but his uniform and badge gives him authority and boldness that he doesn't possess on his own. Because him, he himself, maybe if he was just in his regular clothes, maybe he wouldn't act But in uniform, he has a job, he has a duty, he has something. He has a a solemn duty to protect others, even at his own peril. And and as Christians, we have the authority of Christ. We don't live like we have the authority of Christ. We have the authority of Christ, who it says in his word has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. When we pray and share our faith, when we walk out our daily lives, We carry his anointing and authority. Now, many of us, if we was to sit on the bus and we feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share our faith with someone, our heart starts beating really fast and we're terrified. But yet we have his power and authority. Again, a policeman maybe would be afraid on his own, but with the authority of that badge, he would face that foe. We have the authority of Jesus on our behalf Too often we live in fear when we should live in faith. To live in faith doesn't mean you're not afraid. It's not that we just walk in this thing and and we don't have, you know, that sense within us to be afraid. I know that if we're wise and we're somewhere at night and we make a wrong turn down a dark alley, we should be afraid. It's not like we should just own the place and puff out our chest. No, God's given us indicators for fear. We don't live in fear. Police and emergency responders can be afraid, but they press forward anyway. David said, what can man do to me? Jesus said to fear the one who can send your soul to hell. Not so much what they can do to your body. Fear the one who can send your soul to hell. 
That uniform, if you can picture a police officer, his uniform or her uniform and badge represent the authority behind them. You may not listen to that policeman because of what he's saying, but with that uniform and his badge and the authority that he carries, he can arrest you. He's paid to uphold the law. The police badge is a symbol of authority, respect, integrity, and trust. An officer of the law makes uh, an oath to faithfully enforce the laws, and they swear to never tarnish the badge. Former Chief Constable Ian Livingston said, putting yourself in harm's way to protect others goes to the very heart of what it means to be a police officer. I know that they've gotten a bad rap lately, a lot of press with, with uh, police, but they have the authority that that badge carries. Today, if you have your Bible, your phone, your tablet, we're going to be looking at a chunk of our scriptures out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Today, I am reading it out of the Amplified, as that's one of my favorite ones to read and to study, beginning in verse 2. And it was told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude has come against you from beyond the Dead Sea, from Edom, and behold, they are at Harazon Tamar, which is in En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat feared and set himself determinedly as his vital need to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast in all Judah. When he heard the news and noticed that it was in his hearing, it wasn't that he had read something, he heard it. Friends, sometimes we hear things. We can hear a report from a doctor. We can hear a report in the news, and our initial reaction is fear. But his response was prayer. See, sometimes it's the response more than the reaction. That's his initial reaction was fear. But how does he respond? His response was prayer. It says that it was of vital importance to seek God about this. Is that our first thing when we're afraid or we get bad news? Do we go to God or do we get on the, the phone? This is the old fashioned for our youngsters. This is the old way that people would do a phone. <laughs> do we get on the phone and just complain and tell people or do we go to God? If our initial reaction is fear, may we combat that with prayer and supplication. He also knew the power of fasting and declared that everyone fast. Friends, some of you maybe are going through things or seemingly for a long time. I'm just throwing out there, have you tried fasting? Because fasting just has, there's some key that God uses to unlock things. This is serious as a nation. What, what will he do? There's a big group of people coming against them. They didn't want to just see what they were having for dinner. They were coming to kill them. And he says to the whole nation, let's fast and pray when you face news that is frightening, take some time to fast, as this may bring clarity and be a time to press into God. There's something in fasting. Jesus and his disciples fasted. There's just something I think today we don't have the discipline of fasting. And I know at the beginning of the year, we have a, a, for years now, Sherry and I fast the first week of the new year. Fasting is important, especially if you need an answer to prayer or you're praying for someone else. Maybe take some time to fast. Verse four, and Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. Again, here's a, a picture of unity of them all doing it together to ask help from the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord, 
yearning for him with all their desire. It's important to note that everyone gathered together. See, today, everyone seems to want to divide. They're going through something. We're going through something. We need to come together. We're the body of Christ. All of us together. It says when one member hurts, we all hurt. We're one body of Christ. The demise of one tribe or city at that time in Israel could spill over to another. And so it's one of those, if they didn't help those who were in trouble, maybe trouble was going to come knocking at their door. So their unity, they all come together seeking the Lord, showed the seriousness of the threat. See, sometimes, I know last week I mentioned that God tests us, but sometimes I think God wants to see, are we serious? Because sometimes we're like, you know, God, help, help me. But are we serious? Are we, are we wanting to take that time to fast and pray and bring it to God? Verse 5, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Of course the answer is yes. And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Again, the answer is yes. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Friends, this is one of those kind of prayers. Remind God of his promises. When you're praying, God, did you not do this for Israel? You're the same God it says yesterday, today, and forever. Did you not do that then? God, will you not act now? Aren't you the same God who brought Moses through the Red Sea? Remind him of his promises God's a big God. He's not threatened. It's not like we're challenging or calling him out. What he has done in the past, he can do so and more today. When you pray like this, reminding God of his promises or asking God, did you not do this? You know what I'm going through. It emboldens your faith and reminds you of how amazing God is. See, when you're saying, God, did you not part the Red Sea? It brings to remembrance that seems quite difficult, that a sea would part. And it says they went through on dry ground. God, did you not do that? If you can do something that impossible, God, I just am going through this little thing today. It's not that hard for you. And he continues, did you not, O oh our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if evil comes upon us, the sword of judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name and the symbol of your presence is in this house and cry to you in our affliction and you will hear and save his prayer is saying, God, remember you said that if we come to you and we're going through something in this place that you will hear, that you will save, that you will protect. We're your people. Sometimes, friends, when you're praying, remind God of things that he said or promises, especially if God's given you promises that you're clinging to. Remind him, God, did you not say, did you not promise? God is a promise-keeping God. And I know today people pinky swear and then by the afternoon the promise is broken. God keeps his promises. He promised that he would neither slumber nor sleep as he keeps watch over Israel. The people are acknowledging his protection 
deliverance and power. See, they remembered that God uh, delivered them out of Egypt, moved all the people out of the land and gave it to them as their inheritance forever. And they're saying, God, now they're coming against us and we're your people. We're your people, God. And they're coming against us. God, will you do something? Will you act? And he tells them what the problem is. Now, friends, we know that God knows all things, but for some reason he wants us to tell him. So he says, and now behold, the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Sire, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they turned from and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not exercise judgment upon them? And this is part of the prayer. For we have no might to stand against this great company Sometimes we need to just acknowledge the truth. God, there's nothing I can do. This is beyond me. I have no power. I have no might. I have no authority in this matter. He says, this great company is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a prayer that he prays. He reminds God of a few things, and then he brings the current thing before him. God, this is the threat that's coming against us. There's a great multitude of people that are coming to execute us? Will you not come against them? God knows all things and knows that this threat is coming against his people. Friends, God knows what you're facing today. It's not slipped by. It's not, you know, that he's too busy. He knows what you're facing today. How will we respond Jehoshaphat admits that they're powerless to stand before this force coming against them. We too may be powerless to fight whatever comes our way. But we know the one who is unlimited in power. May our posture be like Israel and the leaders. Although we may not know what to do, let's keep our eyes on him. See, one of the things that comes against us is our distraction. We look at the problem, and our enemy always magnifies the problem and diminishes God. But the truth is, we need to magnify God and diminish the problem. And so the enemy always tries to get us to focus on the wrong thing. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking away from all that will distract us to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. When we're going through things, like I said, don't get on the phone and complain to a relative or a friend. Get in your prayer closet and pray to God. If we remain transfixed on Him, the problems will seem so small. We need a fresh revelation of how big our God is. And that's why I love in this prayer, He's reminding God of things He's done in the past. Friends, God's going to do things in your life. We need to pray and press in. And it says, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their children and their wives. An important fact in this passage, parents, grandparents, teach your children to walk out faith together. Sometimes as parents, we don't want our kids to see some of the struggles that we have, so we don't see them spending that time praying. One of my greatest memories, and I think I've shared this before, but I remember I might have been as old as Joseph, maybe eight or nine years old, and it was the middle of the night, and I heard crying. I was raised by a single mom, 
And so mom was like crying. So I went in and I opened her door and she was in there just crying and praying before God. And it impacted me greatly because here she was, she wasn't making a big to-do, but I got to see that my mom was interceding in the middle of the night, praying for myself and my brothers. Parents, grandparents, let your children see you pressing in. They were all together. So they have a problem all together. This great threat is coming against them. And as a family and as a community, they're together praying and fasting. What do you think this event would look like for children after we finish the passage today? What would it look like for families today if they stood before the Lord together, praying and interceding for their nation and people? Imagine if you heard the sound and your spouse is praying because they're praying for Scotland, or they're praying for their neighbor. Think of this as families, what this would look like. Because when we're going through things together, and then when the answer comes, we celebrate together. It says, weep with those who weep. When we're going through things, we share, share the burden of each other. We're one body. But we also get to rejoice when, when someone has that answer to prayer come through, that breakthrough. So here they are. They're all together. They're praying. They're fasting. He gives this prayer before the people. We don't know what to do, God. Our eyes are on you. And it says, verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of all these other people, in the midst of the assembly. So imagine this scene with me. The report has come that a huge army is coming to destroy them. They want to kill your family. They want to take your home and destroy your nation. The people all fast and pray together. No one has an answer, not even the king. They're all praying together. The king is leading the prayer. But as you wait, God shows up with a message through one of his prophets. His spirit comes in and it comes before all the people. You hear the message from God. Your spouse hears it and your children hear it. So once again, here is they're praying together. They're in unity. They get to hear God answer right there. The kids get to hear it. The God that you follow, the living God speaks to the assembly. And this is what he says. Verse 15, he says, hearken all Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. The Lord says this, do not be afraid or dismayed at this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. This battle coming was not all those armies against Judah. It was all these armies coming against God. Friends, our God fights for us. The enemy isn't coming at us. He's coming against God. God fights on behalf of his people. He says he would fight for them. And this is what he says. Verse 16, tomorrow go down to them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the ravine before the wilderness of Jeriel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Take your positions. Stand still. And see the deliverance of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And so God gives them some instructions. So sometimes when we pray, God gives us an answer and gives us some instructions. See, I don't know why, but God partners with us. Sometimes, God, we want him to do everything for us. And God gives them some instructions. So first he says, do not be afraid or dismayed. Easier said than done. 
I remember reading a meme and it said, never in the history of calm down has, has telling someone to calm down, calm someone down. If you are afraid, I mean, imagine, I say you have a terrible fear of spiders and there's a very large spider and someone just being, don't be afraid. You're like, well, that's easier said than done. It's easier to, to say it than it is to do it. But God says in his instruction, do not be afraid or dismayed. He says, go down to them. You'll find them. You'll see them. With your eyes, you will see them. He also says you won't need to fight. This is a matter of trust in God. So here's our part. Take your positions. So God didn't say stay in your camp, have a long lie-in. He says you're going to go march out against them. You're going to take your positions. He also gives us another part to do. Stand still. We have two little grandkids. It's impossible for them to stand still. God says to stand still. There's many adults who cannot stand still. And he says this, here's another thing. See the deliverance of God. You will see God deliver you. God says, here's your part. March out against them, stand still. Here's my part. I'm gonna take care of them. You're gonna see the deliverance of God. And again, he says, fear not or be dismayed. He's repeating it because they were having trouble. And it's important that they do this. And he says, go out against them tomorrow. We still have something to do, even though God is doing it. These are the instructions from God. Judah did not need to fight in this battle, but it didn't mean there was nothing for them to do. It was a huge step of faith to march out and position themselves to stand still. And that may have been the hardest part, really. And to believe that they would see the salvation of the Lord in the face of a large attacking army. There are a variety of ways that God could have defeated those armies, but he provided a way that worked in the participation of faith by Judah. And I love this about God. God partners with us. He could do it all. And I've shared this before. Dads, if you're working on something, and you might let your, your child turn the, turn the bolt the last time, you know, because they feel part of what you're doing. You could do it faster than them. You could do it better than them. But it's nice to partner with them. You know, many dads, if you've ever taken your kids fishing, you know, you do most of the work, but you let them kind of reel it in. It's a partnership. I love that God partners with us. God does his part, but expects us to do our part. See, some of us just stay. We're sleeping in. We're not taking the stand. We're not marching out. We're not going to take our positions. We're just going to trust that God's just going to take care of it. But God gave them instructions to do something, and he does his part but expects us to do our part. It's like the policeman putting on the uniform in faith. He, he doesn't go out alone, but it rep, he goes out representing all that that uniform represents. He would have the whole uh, battalion behind him. He personally may be frightened, but he has a duty and a job to do. Friends, we have a duty and a job to do for his kingdom, and he has commissioned us. He didn't suggest it. He's commissioned us. We're commissioned to go and to make disciples, to go and tell. We are sent in his power and authority to tell the good news of his kingdom. So just like an ambassador would have all the authority that his nation would represent, we're his ambassadors. We're given his authority. That's what he's called us to do, and he's commissioned us to do it. The answer has come. So verse 18, I'll be finished in a moment. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. God brought the answer to their prayers, and their response is bowing down and worshiping him. And some Levites 
of the Kohathites and Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning, and they went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe and remain steadfast to his prophets, and you shall prosper. What a great leader. He's encouraging the people to believe and trust in the Lord. They prayed, they fasted, and God brought the answer. Now they need to do what the answer is, the instructions. This showed that they really did believe the word of the Lord from the prophet Jehaziel. It was one thing to profess faith in their excitement. It's one thing sometimes together we can profess faith. I'm going to go out in the streets. I'm going to preach the gospel. And then you're out there alone and it's like maybe your enthusiasm or your excitement's worn off. It was one thing to be excited and to pray and sing with a loud voice, but to actually walk out and face the enemy face to face was a whole different story. Verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers to sing to the Lord and praise him in their holy priestly garments as they went out before the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. And when they began to sing and praise, it says in his word, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. And they were self-slaughtered. Their worship and confidence in the Lord their God was proof of their faith. It wasn't that they were just the song and the, the chords that they were strumming did something. It was their faith that they could march out singing and praising God as if the victory already came. It was like God telling Moses at the edge of the Red Sea, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. This army will not rise up against Judah again. And it says the Lord set ambushes against this army. And as they began to sing and march out, Verse 23, for suspecting betrayal, the men of Ammon and Moab rose against those of Mount Seir, utterly destroying them. And when they had made an end of the men of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. And when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked, because God said, you will see the deliverance. They looked at the multitude and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none had escaped. So God says, this is what I want you to do. You're going to march out. You're going to take your positions against them. And they take the step of faith and they send the worshipers first. Now, this is not an army plan. I don't think if there was things going on in another part of the world that they're going to send a worship team first. I don't think that that would be wise, but that's what they did. And God said, you will see the deliverance of your God. What a sight to behold. This was not what they were expecting they just did what God said. They were rewarded for keeping their eyes on him. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take the spoil, they found among them much cattle, goods, garments, and precious things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry away. So much, there were three days in they were three days in gathering the spoil. It took three days to carry the spoil. And this was a huge army with lots of stuff. God brought the victory. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Bukurah. There they blessed the Lord. So the name of the place is still called the Valley of Blessing. And then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem 
Jehoshaphat leading them to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. God works out all of this on their behalf. God gave them a part to do, and they did their part. All that God did this on their behalf, and he is working things out on our behalf. We could be like the scared policemen. See, we have a job and a duty to perform. In Psalm 46.10, it says, Stop striving. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Warren Wearsby says this, be still literally means take your hands off, relax. We like to be hands-on people and manage our own lives, but God is God and we are his servants. Because God was allowed to be God, the victory was won. Sometimes I think we get in the way. We need to let God be God and we need to be his servants and do our part. George Horn says this, in this verse there's a change of person. And Jehovah himself is introduced as commanding the world to cease its opposition to his power and to acknowledge his sovereignty over all nations and kingdoms, of all the kingdoms of the nations. And James Boyce says, in this setting, be still and know that I am God is not advice to us to lead a contemplative life, however important that may be. It means rather lay down your arms, surrender and acknowledge that I am the one and only victorious God. God says, be still and know. Be still and know. Do we know that he is God? Have we put him in his rightful place? Do we acknowledge that he is God and sovereign over nations? Or do we just want to be in control of our own lives? I want to encourage you to step up and step out and grab faith with both hands. Stop striving, but leave it in God's very capable hands. See, God will let us worry if we want to worry. Or we can make that choice and say, God, as Jehoshaphat did, I don't have any power against this, but God, I'm going to place myself in your hands. I'm going to, going to place the results in your hands. Father, I'm going to worship you. Because there's some key that happens in the test, in the middle of it, when it's all coming against you. There's somehow a key that unlocks something when you can still praise and worship God in the storm, in the trouble, when the answer hasn't come. Like Job, that he slay me, yet will I praise him. There's something that God sees within us. Will we praise him? There is no retreat for the Christian. God gives us a description of the armor of God, and there is nothing for the back because there's no retreat for the Christian. We're either taking ground or holding ground. And I believe that that's where we seem to always want to cut tail and run. We're holding ground. We're holding ground or we're taking ground for his kingdom. He says, be still and know that I am God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.